Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Open now and go to the left to the book of John, to John's famous prologue, chapter 1. This is one of the most... uh, commented on and talked about passages of scripture in the ancient church and in, the, in 2,000 years of church. It's amazing. Because you know that the first three gospels we believe were written much earlier than John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so there's a lot of theory about that in um, redaction criticism and stuff. How, did they, how were they edited? How did they come about? And source criticism. And so we believe that um, the, the early books were Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But then John came sometime later, because if you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all begin with like genealogy of Jesus, the beginning of John, the Baptist ministry, Jesus' ministry. But then John begins with this, in the beginning was the word. You're like, what? He goes and he starts talking about platonic ideas. And he starts dealing with ideas that uh, the philosophers would have understood. So we believe that John possibly was combating even Gnosticism or some uh, incipient form of it in his day. Okay, just you just need that at 9:50 in the morning. Amen. So let's let's look at verse nine though of, of chapter one. He's talking about Jesus now. Okay, he says that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Jesus was the true light, giving light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them... He gave the right or the authority. I think the Spanish translation uses that term, authority. To them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we're talking about keys to spiritual growth and the last two Sundays I've really dealt with the word the power growing in the word obeying the word and I want to deal with one other thing and maybe you don't think about this in terms of spiritual growth but I think to grow up into who we should be in Christ we need to know who we are in Christ to grow up into who we should be we should know who he says we are and the thing that I get, from, I get from this that I wanted to begin with is he calls us his children or his sons and daughters, or let me just say sons. Because when I say sons, I also mean, of course, sons and daughters, but son has a particular power in the ancient world because of inheritance and all that stuff. So we are all called into sonship. We're called to be sons of the Father. Hallelujah. 
And he says, first of all, that sonship is not by our will, it's by the will of God. So it comes by grace. So sonship comes to us by grace. We're made sons of the Father, not by our own works, but by the grace of God. Notice Ephesians chapter 2 in another very famous passage of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2. Apostle Paul writing here and he says, he's talking about the sinfulness of man and, you know, uh, verse Chapter 2, verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children uh, of wrath just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. He might show the abundance of grace toward us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. I don't care if you're Lutheran, if you're Presbyterian, if you're Calvinist, if you're Wesleyan, if you're Holiness, whatever. We all understand that salvation comes by grace. That we didn't work our way into salvation. We couldn't do enough good works to earn his salvation. We couldn't give enough money to earn our salvation. We couldn't, uh, you know, walk on broken glass barefoot to earn our salvation. We couldn't do enough penance to earn our salvation. It had to come by grace through faith. And so sonship comes by grace. And we are saved not because of what we've done, but because of what he did. Christianity isn't due it's done. Christianity isn't about, every other religion is about what you must do. Do this, do that, do this. Pray five times a day, you know, toward Mecca or, you know, follow the eight rules of enlightenment or whatever, Buddhism. or No, Christianity is about what Christ has already done on the cross. And we receive that by grace. Now, once we're in grace, we walk in grace. And we live in good works and we do good works because our nature has been changed. But we came into this thing through grace. So sonship was given to you and I through grace. And, and why am I, I pushing, pushing this or, or pounding this this morning? Because once we, if we could just get our minds around that, I think we'd be free people. If we could just get our minds around the, the, the bigness of God's grace and how He called us to be sons, not because of all of our greatness, but because of all of His greatness, not because of all of our works, but because of His work on the cross, and now we're placed into sonship because of His grace and ability. 
And you know, if any of you have sons or daughters or grandchildren, you love them, right? And it doesn't mean they do right all the time. You still love them. And they don't ungrandchild themselves from you. They're still your grandchild. They don't unsun themselves from you. They're still your son or daughter. You love them like crazy. You love them like crazy. And we're just earthly parents. How much more does the Heavenly Father love us? And so it's, it's been, you know, I came out uh, up in holiness, and I love it, and I, I, that is my thing, right? But yet, uh, I, I think sometimes we do have to work, because in holiness we talk about doing right and, you know, perfection and all this stuff, but we don't need to forget the basis, the, the foundation of our faith, and that is, I couldn't make myself a son, I couldn't make myself a daughter or son of God. I came into this thing through grace. Yes, he called and I responded. You know, John Wesley taught, called it prevenient grace. There's enough grace that goes before prevenient in Latin. It goes before to give you the ability to respond to God. So when you respond to God, even that is chalked up to his grace. Even your ability to say yes is chalked up to His grace in the end. And all the works that we do that are good, He's foreordained in the past, Paul said. So even at the end when we make it home and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we talk about all that we've done and all of our works are, are, are laid open before the Lord, we're just going to be able to stand there and give Him praise for all that He allowed us to do in this lifetime. Come on, somebody shout Amen. So why is this important? Because with sonship comes a security of knowing you're in the family when you wake up in the morning. That you didn't lose everything overnight. That God's not going to walk out on you. That He's not going to give up on you. That He's always going to be there cheering you on to the finish line. That He's given you all the resources of heaven, all, the, all the, the saints of old are staring over the banister and leaning over the banister of heaven, the great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. The angels have been given charge over us, hallelujah, to keep us in all of our ways. And our big brother Jesus is standing behind us saying, you got this son or daughter, you got this and lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. Come on, it's good to be a son in the house of the Father. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. If we could get this down in our spirits and then we could start operating out of sonship, then I want to bless people. I want people to be healed. I want people to be saved. I want people to be filled with the Spirit. I want people to prosper and be blessed in this life. I want people to go and move in the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because I'm a son of the Father, and I want you to get in on this family deal we got working here. It's like a friends and family package. Hallelujah. I want you in on the family deal that you can be blessed and get in on the family blessing. Okay, that's the first thing. Sonship comes by grace. Grace is not, and grace isn't just free ticket. Grace is an empowerment to set you free and then an empowerment to live in that freedom of life. That's why we shouldn't take grace for granted or advantage. 
Paul said, should we sin more now that we're forgiven? He said, God forbid. God forbid. We don't just say we're forgiven. Now let's just go live it up. You know, what was it? Adolf Hitler said, if you tell a lie, tell a big one. We don't want to live like that. Amen? Second thing about being a son is it brings a new identity. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.17. He who is in Christ is a new creature or a new creation. For old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now that we're in Christ, we are new creatures. Now that we're in the family, we have a new identity. Now that we're in the family, we have a new identity. Now we take on the nature of our Father. We take on His attributes. God has all these amazing attributes. If you just look at any systematic theology, it'll usually deal with the attributes of God, the, the, um, the immutable attributes of God, those things that you can't change because God always has been. He starts imputing those or transferring those characteristics to us. God is love. We become love. God is righteousness. We become righteous. God is peace. We have peace. Whatever He is starts transferring into us. It's one of the... It, everybody that has a baby, we're working on number four in our family now. In the past three years. My girls didn't waste any time. Hallelujah. Tony Suarez came and he said, we're here worshiping during breaking bears. He said, Pastor, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but every time I come, one of your daughters is pregnant. And Sarah said, it's me. Anyhow, hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. Anyhow, one of the things you start looking for, who does he look like? Who does she look like? I'm always like, I, you know... I think I see some of you, but really they just look like a baby to me, you know? But anyhow, I, you, we want to see those characteristics of the father or mother in that baby, and it really thrills us. And then often if they do something mean, then it's just like his daddy. Well, thanks a lot, you know? You know anyhow, hallelujah. We want to see those good characteristics coming through that child how much more in a spiritual sense does God start putting His spiritual DNA in us and we start looking like the Father? Hallelujah. And the more you grow into who you are, the more you should look like your Father, the more you should act like your Father. Hallelujah. And you start responding to situations as God would have you respond. You grow up in Christ. Man, I feel good this morning. Amen. You grow up in Christ. When you fall back to the flesh and you get jealous and you get angry and you want to gossip and you, want, you got lust boiling in your heart, you're getting back to that old man. Let the old man die. Cut him off. And let the new man arise. There's a new identity in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Jesus living on the inside. Hallelujah. Transforming your emotions, your affections, your will, and what you look like. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He tells us who we are now in Christ. But you are a chosen generation. The word here in Greek is, is coming from that word race. 
You're now a called out and elected race of people. Hallelujah. Now we're called out as a new race. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, now we become one man, Jew and Gentile. The middle wall of partition is broken down. And now we're one in Christ. God has one race. It's the human race. And then He elects people into the church. And He calls out people into the church. And those who get into the church are part of this new chosen race of people. And that allegiance and that identity is greater than me having a German background. My name is Hess, and so my dad named me Hans. So when people hear my name, they think, my gosh, this guy's straight from Germany or straight from... And then I had, I had some guys, I was at the Catholic University of America, and they, uh, I got accepted into the doctoral program there years ago, and so they listed me in the first class I went to, which was a Latin class, they listed me as Father Hans Hess. And there was this boy from North Carolina in there who was a Catholic convert, been raised free will Baptist. And he met me, and we started talking, and I told him who I was and my background. And he said, man, I saw your name on that list, and I thought you were a Scandinavian Catholic priest, but you're an Appalachian Pentecostal preacher. <laughs> Hallelujah. Accent and all. Hallelujah. 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 I still carry the, you know, the DNA. Amen? And I, I'm kind of proud of it at times. I'm going to tell this on Dana since she's in the back room and can't respond. She was walking the other day and she, she was talking to me on the phone. She said, oh my gosh, Hans, there are, there are, there are frogs out here. And I didn't think, but I said, you got to watch them frogs. She said, I know there's some frogs out here. I said, I really say it that way, don't I? Like F-R-A-W-G-S, frogs. Come on, y'all show me some love, amen. I said, I can't just say frog, frog, it's a frog. How do y'all say it? Knew y'all were my people, amen, hallelujah. But you know, we can't take pride in that, hallelujah. I love my Appalachian heritage, I love my country nest, it's still in there. But you know what? More than that, I'm a born again child of God, washed in the blood, sanctified by the Spirit, hallelujah, baptized in the Holy Ghost, on my way to heaven. That's my real identity. Hey, hallelujah. You may be Hispanic, you may be black, you may be white, you may be Asian, you may be green Martian, I don't know. But your greater identity is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're a new man in Jesus, hallelujah. You're carrying His spiritual DNA. Now His image is imprinted on you, and now you look like the Father. Come on, shout it out. I have a new identity. Hey, hallelujah. Notice 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race of people. 
a royal priesthood. You're not just a priest. You're one who's called to minister in the royal courts of our king. You're a special class of and breed of priests who can enter into the most holy place and worship the Lord in spirit and in truth and come before the throne boldly to make your requests known. Now you are a royal priest in the family of God. Then he says, now you are a holy nation. You're a new nation of people, but you aren't just a regular nation. You're a holy nation because God has called us out and made us holy in Him. Now we are a holy people. Hallelujah. And even Paul called the Corinthian church saints. When he wrote to them, he wrote to the saints in Corinth. And those saints had a few problems. But he called out their identity. Because when God comes, he starts calling out your identity. And not who you were, but who you're going to be. He comes, Samuel comes to Bethlehem, to Jesse's house, to anoint the next king of Israel. God told him to do that. So he goes down there and he says, bring out all the sons. And he brings out the sons. Here's Eliab and he looks just like the greatest thing. He looks kind of like Saul. He's tall and he's built and he's the oldest. And, and Samuel's like, surely, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And he gets near him and the Lord says, nope. And he goes right on down the line of Jesse's sons until he depletes them all. And he looks at, looks at Jesse and he says, do you have any more? And he said, well, there's one. And he's out in the sheepfold. Now, why wasn't he invited in to the party? I don't know. There's a lot of speculation and sermons been preached about that. We're not told why in Scripture, but it's interesting. Nonetheless, here comes David in. And he's the youngest. And he's the least likely. And he's the one out there tending the sheep. Some have all kinds of speculations that he was kind of like the, the literal red-headed stepchild. But nonetheless, he comes in, and when he comes in, the Spirit of the Lord speaks to Samuel and says, The Lord's anointed is before you. And on that boy that no one else saw anything in, God saw a future king, and not only a king, he became the king. That all of Israel history would coalesce around and the prophetic destiny of the nation that's still stamped on the nation of Israel is a, a someone from the line of David will always rule on the throne of Israel. Come on, how many can raise your hand and say, thank God God saw something in me I didn't see in myself. He sees identity in us. When you don't know who you are, insecurity can take you over. When you don't know who you are, insecurity can take you over. But when you realize who you are, you're secure in who you are. You know you're a child of the King. You're a son of the Father. And you can go do His bidding and do His business. You know, we've been talking a lot recently about praying for sick people and praying for people in need. And, I, and, and I've, I've really come to a new level of freedom in that because I'm realizing the results aren't necessarily... The results aren't mine. The results are God's. So if I pray for somebody and I see something happen, God gets all the glory. 
If I pray for somebody and nothing happens, I say, okay, Lord, show me a little more of who you are. I'll take it. You show me a little more of who you are because you're the healer. I'm not the healer. He's the Savior. I'm not the Savior. He's the encourager. He's the one. He's the one that comes and supplies the Holy Spirit to us, and we just leave it all. I'm a son of the Father. I'm going to be free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to be free. We brought little Mab. Mab is my three-year-old grandson, and he's cute as a button. Of course, all my grandkids are cute as buttons. <clears throat> I've got pictures right here <laughs> to prove it. But Mav comes over to our place, and he starts running in every room. And he runs in one room, and he says, I like this room. <laughs> That's a son who's at home, hallelujah, in the papa's house. <laughs> Woo, that's the way we should be. Father, this is a new day, and I like this world you've given us. Now do your wonders today. Hallelujah. This is your church, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all go home and just say, Father, this is your house. Royal priesthood. Chosen generation. Holy nation. Then he says this. You're his own special people. That's what he said of Israel in the Old Testament. You're a peculiar people. I've called you out. You're the apple of my eye. You're a special nation. My, my, my peculiar possession among the nations. Now he's saying it of us as a church. We are his special people. We're, come, say, it, say it out loud. I am. God's favorite. I am his favorite. Why? Because I'm in Christ. Christ is the seed of Abraham. I'm in him. And I'm his favorite. Oh, Somebody's going to get set free this morning. I feel it. I feel freedom in this house. You're his own special people. That now comes a purpose of your identity. That you might. Or that you may proclaim the praises. Of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now your purpose is to show forth the glory, the goodness of God. You are his trophy. You're his special possession. You are a son of the Father. And now your goal is, and your job description is in life, is to show off the God in you. To show off the kingdom purpose in you. To give Him praise through your life. And who once were not a people, but now are the people of God who have obtained mercy, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now you are the people. You once were out there lost. The people who were not a people of God were the Canaanites. They were the other tribes. They were the Goyim. But now... Israel was the people of God. Now in the New Testament, the church is the people of God grafted into the tree of Israel. Can we shout amen? amen. So being a son of the Father comes by grace only. And that should bring security. Being a son of the Father brings a new identity. And that should wipe away all insecurity from your life. You ever get around some other people and feel a little bit intimidated? 
you don't have to anymore. You ever get around people and feel a little bit? No, you don't have to anymore because you're a son of the Father and you're his favorite. Hallelujah. 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 I told Dana the other night, I said, I'm not, uh, I see some of these other leaders. I'm like, my gosh, man, if I look at them, I could be intimidated. But you know what? Don't really want to be them. I want to be me. I just want to be the best me I can be. I want to be the best Hans that God has called me to be. I want to grow into that manifold grace of God that's on my life. See, we, we get into gift projection sometimes. We see somebody doing something great, and we want to go over there and get out of our giftedness and get out of our lane and go right in their lane and try to be them. And there's a lot of copycats and mimics in the world. But God created you unique. He created you different. He created you with a certain set of giftings, a manifold grace of God that's been given unto you. So don't die a copy, but be an original. Be an original. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be an original. Be an original. The first car I ever drove on a highway was a brand new stainless steel DeLorean. 1985. My dad bought a brand new stainless steel DeLorean. How many of y'all remember the DeLoreans? How many of you remember Back to the Future? More remember that than the... But DeLorean was a major player in the, uh, in the, the big three car industry. He had been a major innovator. And so he developed this car, stainless steel, so it wouldn't rust. Doors that lifted up like, what are they called? Gold wing? Dual wing. Oh, gold wing. I've never heard that. Hallelujah. And then it had a uh, phenomenal motor in it. And it just had all kinds of innovations. And it's unfortunate that it all went downhill because it had. All, he was an original. Tucker was an original. Right? Hallelujah. They were originals. They didn't, weren't thinking, how can we build something just like everyone else? But they thought, how can we do this differently? It's like McPherson. I talked about it. I got to tell y'all the coolest story ever. I mentioned it a few weeks ago, and I mentioned it through the years. I said, there's a guy named McPherson who created Matthew's Bow Company. How many of y'all have heard of Matthew's Bow Company? How many deer hunters are in this church? I want y'all to see this man right here. For further training on deer hunting. Amen? If there's only two in this crowd, is somebody not telling the truth right now? <laughs> Anyhow, Matthew's bow company. He was a Christian, and he's a good guitar player. And so he prayed, and he said, Lord, help me to create a guitar. I've got all these woodworking tools, and I have all this, I mean, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars or whatever of tool work. Tool work. Why can't I just build my own guitar, but you show me how to do it better? So the Lord showed him. He said, go, go, don't put the sound hole of acoustic in the middle where the strings are. Put it up top, near the top of the guitar, so that whole soundboard can resonate more. 
lift the uh, lift the fretboard up when it comes to the to the soundboard, lift it off the neck and let it free float, and just some cool stuff. And I mentioned it in church uh, back in the summer. I mentioned it, I think, at first of August, uh, end of July, somewhere there. And we go down there, and Doug is pre- Doug Eccles is preaching at our Edenton campus, and we go down there. A guy walks up to me at the end of the service with a guitar case. He says, the Lord told me to give you something. I opened it up, and it was a carbon graphite McPherson guitar. And he had a note in it. He said, the Lord told me to give you this on July the 2nd. And the note was dated July 2nd, and it took about a month for him to get it to me. Okay, that's the cool. That's all I got this morning. That's as good. I can I mean, that's as cool a story as I can bring out. Is that not? Is that not awesome? Anyhow, y'all need to start saying some things. Hallelujah! God is good. Original. You are an original. Hallelujah. You have a new identity in Christ. Don't be intimidated. Be secure in who God has made you to be. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Created unto good works that you might show forth the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Hallelujah. God's looking over the banister of heaven and saying, that's my boy right there. That's my girl right there. They are doing, they're not running with the crowd. They are doing what I created them to do. They're using what I install, instilled in them. They're bringing out those gifts that I placed in their lives. Somebody shout hallelujah. Okay, I got one more thing and it's the biggest so y'all give me some time here. Turn to Galatians chapter 4. One other thing about sonship is that sonship in the kingdom includes an inheritance. Sonship in the kingdom includes an inheritance. So it comes by grace and it gives you a new identity, but it comes with a phenomenal inheritance. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he's a master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. Therefore, you are no longer a slave to your passions. You are no longer a slave to your past. You are no longer a slave to the opinions of others. You are a son in the kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. And if a son, then an heir, then an heir of God through Christ. Then an heir of God through Christ. So every time I read this term heir and inheritance, I thought, boy, he's talking about heaven. He's talking about heaven. And I've heard preachers say, you can, we're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. It means you can split heaven right down the middle. When we get over there, we're going to have it all. 
So I went and I researched a, a great New Testament scholar from England who had written a commentary on this. And, and it kind of, I wasn't expecting much. But he said, actually, if you follow Paul's argument, he's referring back to chapter 3. Verse 16 says, Now to Abraham and his seed, capital S, meaning Jesus, were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as to one, and to your seed, as to Christ. Back up to verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So what this scholar said is what we get as an heir are all the blessings that were given to Abraham. Let me rewind the tape and go through that once again. What we are heirs to are in this argument is the blessings that were given to Abraham We've been grafted into that tree. And now all the blessings God had intended for him, now we latch on to. We have a right to because we are sons in the house of the Father. So what were some of those blessings? Well, turn back in your Bibles all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 28. Some might say, Pastor Hans, you can't claim these over the church just give me a moment. Verse 1 of chapter 28 of Deuteronomy. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. So there's, there's, there's a condition here, but it's a condition for those already in the family. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of His commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord... Your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. There's going to be a recognition and an honor and a blessing. Come on, somebody. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now here they come. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. It means the location where you are, it doesn't matter. You're going to be blessed in wherever you go. Then it says in verse 4, Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle. It means your children will be blessed. And it means all that you set your hand to, God's going to set His increase. He didn't just say He's going to bless what you got. He's going to bless the increase of what you have. If y'all don't shout, I'll shout all by myself. Hallelujah. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be what you have your hands in. Blessed shall you be when you come in. And blessed shall you be when you go out. Not only the location, no matter where you are is blessed, no matter what time of day you're going to be blessed. 
the Lord, verse 7, will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you in seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand, and He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. I, I read a book years ago by Al Jandel called the, the Storehouse, on the Storehouse Blessing. And he said, you know, so we don't have, I mean, if you're a farmer, you might have a storehouse, but the rest of us you know, not, don't have storehouses like that. So he said, Lord, what is this? And he said, Lord said, it's your bank account. It's your savings account in particular. So why don't you start saving and living off, living out of debt? And if you live out of debt, you can store back savings. And then he showed how God sets his hand on that. And then crazy stuff started happening for them as a church because they had money in the bank. Because there's power when you have money in the bank. I had too much coffee, Dane, I think, but there's just a blessing. <laughs> then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. Everybody's going to see the blessing of God on your life. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. Then somebody says, no, God doesn't want you to be blessed because that's going to cause you to sin or fall away. Well, why then when Satan attacks, does he come and bring poverty and destruction of goods? That's the work of Satan. I've been to many third world countries and preached, and it's not a blessing to live in poverty. Why at the end of Job's life, when God, yeah, remember Job? Yeah, I do remember Job. In the end, God came and blessed him with twice that he had before. That's what God did. Satan came and tried to take him out. Destroyed his family, destroyed his livestock. Satan was the one doing that. God came back in the end and blessed him with double of what he had before. Come on, somebody raise both hands and say, thank you, I'm a son of the Father. That I have an inheritance, hallelujah. And God just doesn't wait to heaven to give the inheritance. He's doling it out right now in the here and now. My God, I feel like running down the highway Shouting all the way. Verse 12, the Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens, to give you rain in your land in its season, to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Why? Because, and then there's a, there's a corresponding list of curses if you don't obey the word of the Lord. And I don't know, I, I've often struggled with theologically how all this works together in the New Testament and the, the, the blessings of Abraham, but you know, when I see the sonship, 
and the sonship factor that we're now grafted into the, to the line of Abraham and we're made partakers of the blessings on Abraham and now we're heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ that we're called into this thing. I realize I am a son of my father. I have his spiritual DNA that was given to me by grace and not by works. And now I can be secure in my identity in him. And now he's given all the resources of heaven to me so that I may show forth his praises in this lifetime so I may be a blessing. I am blessed to not hoard. I'm blessed to be a blessing to other people. And as we give and share of our gifts and talents and goods, as we do that, God just keeps pouring in more and pouring in more. Because the blessings of God, the sonship works like that. Go put this to work. And as you put it to work, I'm going to put the pedal to the metal. And I'm going to pour out more blessing in your life. Let's stand. Come on. 1033. Hallelujah. How many are glad you're a son of the Father? Now I use the word son because the eldest son got a double portion of the blessing when it came to inheritance. And it's funny, but I think we stand in that double portion blessing line as firstborn sons of the Father. David Duplessis said years ago, God has no grandchildren. God only has firstborn sons. He doesn't have, you're not here living off the faith of your parents. They may have showed you the right way and brought you here, thank God. But now you had to come to faith in Christ. And you had to get it on your own. And so when you stand before God, He's not going to say, thank you for obeying your, I see, the fa- I see your mom was saved, so I'm going to let you in too. No. God's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I see your faith. Hallelujah. Did y'all get anything out of this this morning? Come on, you're a son of the Father. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us. 